Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. We're continuing in Joshua chapter 9. We saw last time the Gibeonites come to Joshua and the people of Israel. They are presenting themselves as having come from a far distant country, wearing old clothing, worn out wineskins for their uh, water and their wine, worn out uh, bread and provisions. Uh, They ask Joshua and the people of Israel to make a covenant with them. And Joshua and the people, in spite of the warning that the Lord had given in Exodus 23 and Deuteronomy 7, uh, go ahead and make that covenant in verses 14 and 15. We read, So the men of Israel took some of their provisions and did not ask for the counsel of the Lord. And Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the leaders of the congregation swore an oath to them. Now, you might be thinking, well, can we really fault Joshua here? I mean, is the Lord really so accessible at this time that the the community could come together and ask of the Lord, what should we do? Well, I want to take you back quickly to a passage in Numbers chapter 27. Numbers chapter 27 gives us a little bit of insight into the way that the people were to inquire from the Lord uh, what would take place. So Numbers 27, starting in verse 20, this is speaking about uh, Joshua. I'll go back to verse 18 here. So the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the spirit, lay your hand on him and have him stand before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation and commission him in their sight. So this is part of the commissioning of Joshua. And you shall put some of your authority on him in order that all the congregation of the sons of Israel may obey him. Moreover, verse 21, he shall stand before Eleazar the priest, who shall inquire for him by the judgment of the Urim before the Lord. At his command they shall go out, and at his command they shall come in, both he and the sons of Israel with him, even all the congregation. So this is a very important verse that helps us understand how Joshua received revelation from the Lord, at times answers to his questions. What should we do? Where should we go? He was to stand before Eleazar the priest, and this high priest was to inquire before the Lord using this device called the Urim and Thummim. Now, we're not exactly sure what this was. It may have been something like uh, dice that we have in our modern day, a a device for casting uh, lots. And the Lord, of course, would determine the outcome. Uh, We view this today as a game of chance, but from the Christian perspective, a Christian worldview, there is no such thing as chance. God sovereignly oversees all things. Uh, directs all things, even seemingly little games of chance. And here, when it comes to the people of Israel, what should have happened 
here in Joshua chapter 9 in these verses is that when, when they were faced with the people of Gibeon coming in, Joshua should have taken this question to the high priest and inquired before the Lord using the Urim and Thummim and, you know, maybe something like a yes or no question. Lord, are these people uh, for us or against us? Lord, do you want us to make a covenant with these people? And this Urim and Thummim would have been used to discern uh, what the Lord's desire, direction was. So, the author of Joshua faults the people of Israel and Joshua himself here for not inquiring of the Lord. It's very specifically detailed. They did not ask for the counsel of the Lord here. They made a judgment based on their own reasoning their own logic, what they could see from the people of Gibeon, what the people of Gibeon said, their disposition toward them. Remember, they came in and said, we're your servants. They were humble before them. They presented themselves as being from a far and distant country. And based on all of the evidence that Joshua had, they made a decision, and they made that decision without inquiry from the Lord. Now, I think there are applications to the Christian life today. There are, it is not bad for us to make decisions based on some of the evidence that we have, but we should never presume to make decisions without inquiring of the Lord, bringing it before the Lord in prayer. Our decisions really should be made in conjunction with the Lord and with his will and his word. The Lord has spoken to us particularly today through his word. We are not going to receive perhaps a direct revelation from the Lord in what we should do, which direction we should go, but we have everything we need given to us in the Word of God to help us make good and moral decisions about what we ought to do. We can bring our decisions before the Lord in prayer. And the Lord will speak to us through his word. He may speak to us uh, in other ways as well, using other believers and their wisdom in our lives, uh, using circumstances. He might uh, close some opportunities to us while opening other opportunities. But I think the principle for us is that we need to make our steps in conjunction with inquiry from the Lord. We should not just presume to do uh, whatever we want or even what seems best to us, but really should ask of the Lord, Lord, you know, perhaps this is the direction I think we should go in, but uh, would you make that evident to us? Would you make clear uh, which way we are to go? And so, unfortunately, the people of Israel do not do that here. Joshua makes peace with them in verse 15. They make a covenant with Gibeon to let them live and the leaders of the congregation swore an oath to them. Now, that's going to be very significant in the following verses. Verse 16, And it came about at the end of three days, after they had made a covenant with them, that they heard that they were neighbors and that they were living within their land. Shocking! Then the sons of Israel set out and came to their cities on the third day, now their cities, and here we're given the exact locations, were Gibeon, Kerpha, Barot, and Kiriath-Jerim. 
And the sons of Israel did not strike them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and the whole congregation grumbled against the leaders. So what's going on here? Verses 16 through 18. The people of Israel find out that the Gibeonites had willfully deceived them. And so they set out, they go to their cities. Interestingly, we're not told exactly how they find this out, but they go to their cities and confront them about it. And the people of the congregation of Israel are furious with them. And from verse 18 and its implications, it looks like they want to just wipe them out. But they do not. Verse 18 says, The sons of Israel did not strike them because the leaders of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, what's going on here is you really have two different things that are coming into play. First of all, the Lord had told the people, as we saw last time, not to make a covenant with any of the people in Canaan because they would influence them. They would turn their hearts away from him and toward other gods. So that's one aspect of it. But the other aspect of it is faithfulness on behalf of the people. The Lord had spoken to them about being true to their word, keeping their promises. All throughout the law of Moses, there are multiple references to these things. They had made a covenant with these people. And that covenant was to be kept at all, uh, in all possibilities. There was nothing that should break that covenant on behalf of the, the part of Israel. And so even the anger of the majority of the congregation does not influence the leadership to go ahead and break the covenant that they had made. They remain faithful. Now the whole congregation grumbles against the leadership here because of this, because of their faithfulness to this bad covenant that was made. Verse 19, But all the leaders said to the whole congregation, We have sworn to them by the Lord, the God of Israel, and now we cannot touch them. This we will do to them, even let them live, lest wrath be upon us for the oath which we swore to them. So what they're saying here is if we break our covenant with Gibeon, the wrath of the Lord will come upon us. And we don't want that. So even though this whole covenant should never have been made, we made it. And now we've got to live with the consequences this, again, is a, another principle for the Christian life. Sometimes there are things that are done as Christians in the Christian life that are not good. We make wrong decisions. But going forward from that initial wrong decision, we can make right decisions. We can seek to make it right by living rightly after an initial wrong decision. So just because the first decision, the first choice that you make in a sequence of choices is not right, doesn't mean that you need to continue to make wrong decisions. No, if you've done something wrong or foolish uh, without really thinking it through, the best way forward is to confess that and move forward rightly. 
rather than to continue in foolishness and continue to make false steps. That's what the people of Israel are doing here. They did a stupid thing by making a covenant with the people of Gibeon, but they don't continue to act stupidly. They, from here, make a smart decision in keeping the covenant, in keeping their word, even though it's hard and even though it angers a lot of people. I think they did the right thing in moving forward faithfully before the Lord. So verse 21, And the leaders said to them, Let them live. So they became hewers of wood and drawers of water for the whole congregation, just as the leaders had spoken to them. So they take the Gibeonites because of their deception and deceit, and they put them into a place of slavery and servitude for the people. They're drawing water for them. They're hewing wood for the congregation. Obviously, the congregation of Israel is just furious with these people right now and want to completely wipe them out. But the, the leadership says we need to be faithful to the oath that we made, the covenant that we made, and we need to move forward faithfully with them. But at the same time, uh, we don't need to have great fellowship with them. And so they put them into this uh, servitude role. Now, the question we could ask at this point is, was this really the, the best thing that they could do, the best possible outcome here? And uh, we don't have all the information, obviously, of what was going on at this time, but I think this was wise on the part of the people of Israel to put them in this position. They had promised to let uh, the people of Gibeon live, um, but they had not told them exactly under what conditions they would allow them to live, and so they're making them hewers of wood, drawers of water for the congregation. In the next several verses, it says even a little bit more specifically for the house of the Lord. Um, I think it is, we, we are going to see this option for them is better than the option of total destruction and annihilation. And so they're being allowed to live even under difficult circumstances. I think they would have been appreciative of that. One final application for us, sometimes sin in the life of a believer really leads us to have some very difficult outcomes. And we are going to have to live with those outcomes. So just because we're believers in Christ doesn't mean that our sin doesn't still have consequences for us. We need to realize that. That should be a warning to us to be very careful in how we live. Because if we do sin, just as the Gibeonites suffer here, we will have to suffer the consequences. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.